0: Welcome to The Contractor Commute, a podcast by Congenious designed to fit right into your daily drive. Whether you're a small business owner, an employee, or off contracting on your own, we've got advice, stories, and leadership tips to help you out along the way. Welcome to The Contractor Commute. In this episode, we are talking about really the second part of having a healthy sales pipeline. Last episode, I'll just recap that real quickly. We defined what a pipeline is for your sales pipeline that's getting from people, you know, from from calling you the first time to closing the deal, there's a process that takes place there. Um, That is your, your pipeline and moving them through that pipeline. So we talked about what an unhealthy sales pipeline looks like uh, when, whether it's empty, you don't have enough people coming in the front door or you have, or secondly, uh, unqualified the people who can't afford you or they're not good for you. Um, Third is unmanageable. If you've got a pipeline, maybe you got too much going on or it's disorganized. There's not clean phases to it. So you're disorganized and stressed out over it. Um, and then fourth, closing the wrong job. So we talked about that last episode and really got into why you need a healthy sales pipeline. Um, There was really kind of five things there. The first was being able to accept the work and clients that you want instead of just what's available uh, to having a steady revenue stream that allows you to have healthy bottom line. So, you know, there's enough customers coming in and enough money coming in at the same time. Third was no, no, keep, or keeping your teams and your subcontractors busy. Uh, so, you know, making sure that there's enough work to be done, that everyone's paid, everyone's happy. Four, know what's coming up and be able to plan for it. So have a plan. What am I doing two weeks, two months, a year from now? And then five, have that ability to grow, which is what we're all really attempting to do. So um, those are the five reasons why you want a healthy sales pipeline. Um, you know, all sounds fairly obvious. Like, yes, I would like all those things. This episode, we're going to dive into how. So we're going to get a lot more tactical, on what it takes to manage that pipeline, uh, from you know the first phone call, introduction to your business, all the way through uh, lead, qualify, proposal, sign contract moving those people through that thing. We're talking about how to do that. So having a great one sounds awesome. Like most things, it is easier said than done. So let's jump into it. So again, I'm joined by Ben Walsh, founder of uh, Congenius. also owned and operated a home remodeling business for several, several years, had a large team uh, remodeling homes in and around the area. And so uh, kind of got the, the voice of experience here uh, of how to do it right and how to do it wrong. <laughs> um, like most people, you learn you learn the tough way sometimes. So let's dive in uh, on one, how to maintain a steady Pipeline. So we talk about not being empty. So let's get in some tactics of uh, how do you actually achieve it? So what are the how to's on making sure your sales pipeline is not empty? This may be for the person who doesn't know where their next job is coming from, or maybe they're just getting started on their own. And they've got like a job from grandma and their neighbor's
1: friends, but they're not sure what they're going to do after those two yeah. jobs are done. So on how? Yeah, it's really easy for us to get to the point of having a lot of people in the pipeline and then working through all those and kind of treating this as a cyclical thing where it's just one cycle of, oh, we got all this work coming in. And then we insulate ourselves from pressure at that point. We're all set. You know, six months down the road, we're down to, you know, a few people we might not even want to work for. So how do we make sure that we have this steady stream of pro- of people coming into the pipeline working through the pipeline and I think that's it's a very intentional thing we have to be aware in order to get the jobs we want we have to make sure that there are jobs that maybe we don't want that are coming through there's just a there's just people finding us people applying uh for our services and we can sort of vet through those come to the conclusion of these are the people we want to work for narrow it down and have a nice uh very structured process there um And then so, I mean, we want to have choices. (laughs) In order to make good choices, we have to have choices. (laughs) True. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, you know, and this happened in my business as well, where we would work hard, selling jobs, getting estimates out. And you went through these phases of, and sometimes being an owner and a person involved in sales, it's the only way we can really separate these different things out in our head. It's much easier for me to go turn out four proposals than it is for me to just do one and then go back to a job. So it takes some discipline of just being able to say, I need this. I'm committed to having a healthy sales pipeline. I need people coming in. I'm going to have to farm those. And if you don't have the ability to keep up with that as well, uh, we're talking about, you know, not this, not empty or not low volume. Look, you know, we need to have sources of leads coming through. Um, sometimes we limit ourselves even as a point of pride. Well, everybody comes to us as a referral. That might not be a good thing. Yeah, maybe we need to get out there and do more networking, connect with other groups of people, uh, make sure our brand is clear. Yeah, uh, the trucks are branded. That we're really making sure that when we're in a neighborhood, we connect with the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, you get one job, and this is a great customer. You want to work with that? Or you want to work with people like that person? Yep. Get out there, meet the neighbors. Just like, hey, I'm, I'm working. I, I'm working in this job. Uh, if there's anything we need, um, just as a matter of courtesy, if there's any kind of problems, look me up. Here's my number. Yeah. Um, it's a great way. You're not even selling anybody anything at that point. You're just saying, Hey, we're doing this job. Want to just let you know. Yeah. If you're putting up a fence, talk to the neighbor. Yeah. This is what we're doing. Um, so that's a great way to connect with people. Uh, another thing is just making some time and sometimes it's, it's hard to do. Go to different networking events where people are looking for contractors, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, different local trade shows, those types of things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then I think there's another aspect of this as well, where we need to know what is healthy look like for our business, because the temptation is to have this overflow, way more work we could ever keep up with. At what point do we tell people, you know what, I'm too full. I can't keep up with it. And knowing where those lines are at, knowing what our production volume is at. And so we have to do a little bit of digging. Um, So what that looks like is say, okay, this is my team today. This is the amount of work we can do today. I've got these three guys, these four guys. These are my carpenters. These are, and these are the subcontractors I work with. And in a scenario, this is what we can commit to. This is kind of our production output. And if we scale that back some, uh, so we're not overcommitting, this is what it would look like, the volume of work we could do. And keeping that busy. And at what point do we, we say we're not scheduling anything beyond a certain point. Two years from now is, is probably way too far out. Um, you'd much rather say four months, five months, six months, eight months from now, this is kind of where our commitments could be at. So not over committing, um, and then breaking down those numbers. So we, we understand what we want to have in the pipeline. Yeah.
0: Also, we've talked about this before, but defining that profitability target, um, you know, how do you, how do you do that? And we talked about, Hey, getting leads, you know, whether it's picking up the phone, uh, networking groups, word of mouth, I think just talking about that, especially if you did a job on a house, we Every other house in that neighborhood is probably in the same condition or was built around the same time. If you're doing remodel work or additions or something, the neighbors talk, right? Most neighborhoods, like the neighbors are talking about who's doing what to their house. Like, you know, you kind of keeping up with the Joneses to your advantage, right? Right. Like, hey, you want to keep up with them? Here's what I did. You know, I think it's a great idea. Um, But you also talked about defining like a profitability target. What does that mean?
1: How do you, how practically do you do that? This is going to be something that you just can't do a Google search on because you need to know your business well enough to be able to know how that needs to function. And it starts with understanding your cost of doing business, your overhead, and making sure you have a good grasp on the overhead. I know we've talked about this on the podcast before with overhead, but it's a key element in understanding what your price points need to be at, what you need to sell for, and not just being lured into saying, well, they're charging 10 grand to do that, so I'm going to charge 9,500. Uh, because sometimes having a brand means that saying, well, just because I'm 12 and he's 10, maybe there's value adds because we have this overhead that, that maybe is a better experience for the, the client Yeah, because we have a more professional experiences. There's, there's more costs to doing business in our particular way of doing business. Um, so having a good grasp on overhead means under, uh, really doing the reports you need to do of saying, this is what my building costs. These were my operating costs. This is the phone. This is the utilities. Uh, these are my employees that are not in production. You yeah. have a salesperson, estimator, et cetera. Those are all components of overhead. And so to know, okay, this is what I have, if it's 10 grand a month, that needs to be factored into all the jobs I sell. And it's something that's very easy to neglect. Right. In my business, it's something that I was even looking for software tools that could say, you know, you go to QuickBooks, you look for a profit and loss report on a project. We were off the charts making all kinds of profit, but when you factor the overhead in there, you're like, oh, we're not making anything. Right. So it's really easy to neglect that. So we need to know what that needs, what that overhead element is, and then from there, then we can start saying, do we want a ten percent profit, twelve percent profit, fifteen percent profit? That really just comes down to what is that after you pay yourself, what's left over to reinvest in the business. Some right. people are comfortable with tighter margins, but you have risk to that. Right. Something doesn't go according to plan. The costs come
0: up. Yep. Got to buy tools, got to buy a truck, got to, you know, all the things yep. that have to happen. And
1: if you want to grow, you have to have healthy profit to reinvest back in your business. I mean, we've talked to a lot of guys that are
0: really good at their trade and they rely strictly on word of mouth. And it's worked for them to a certain degree. And some of these people like don't exist on the internet. Like no website, no Facebook. You can't find them. Like literally if you were searching for them, you wouldn't find them. What's the benefit of digital marketing? I'm talking about, again, the empty pipeline. Um, what's the importance of having websites? Um email, that sort of thing, So the guy who's not digital yet, or maybe he's worked for a guy who's all word of mouth not going out on his
1: own. Um, how would you approach that? My dad is a great example of somebody who does incredible work. He's a designer builder. He has an incredible ability to create beautiful things for people. And he's struggled with being really able to showcase that. And I think there's a tendency for us to overcomplicate as builders what's involved with putting stuff out there. In his case... He's asked me, oh, man, I want to be able to showcase what I'm doing. I said, hire a real estate photographer, have him go to your job sites and pull in these photos. And then he was sharing these albums back to me of, of the work that was captured by this photographer. Absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. But nobody would ever know that that's the quality of work and the scale of project that he could take on without being able to see that. And say, wow, this guy is just unbelievable. I mean, this you know, project with the coffered ceilings and these you know curved staircase and beautiful mm-hmm. kitchen cabinetry, custom cabinetry that they all built in, in his shop. Um, and that's where you showcase your work. And I think sometimes taking one step at a time in this process, because it, is, it can be overwhelming. And if you go to a marketing agency, Typically, they're going to present a package to you that's a little overwhelming, even trying to understand what that means. You're going to talk about yeah. your inbound marketing and your you know, leads and all the rest of it. And you start thinking, well, that's just for 10 grand a month, what am I even paying for? Right. So to really engage in that process somewhat, start off with just saying, okay, let's let's uh, get some photos of the work as we go. And I might even be saying, let's just get some high quality cell phone photos, put them to the Facebook page.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Start sharing that among people that you know uh, and start building a brand.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even concept of building a brand for some people is like, well, what does that mean? Is that a logo? Is that a, you know, yeah. how, because your brand is what sells, right? Again, we will talk into getting the jobs that you want here in a minute, but um, if you want someone who's going to pay top dollar for great quality work and you do great quality work, they got to trust you and believe you. And what they're buying into is really your brand. you know? Yeah. So um, again, time with the empty pipeline, what are some basics of how somebody should be thinking about what is my brand? Cause some people don't even have a business name. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it, it's just, a, it's right. a random business name that the customer never even sees and it's all that word of mouth thing. So even building a brand what are practical things that somebody should think about. Say goodbye to the hassle of estimating for your construction projects with congenius. Our intuitive platform makes creating highly accurate and detailed estimates a breeze. And with cloud-based access and automatic calculations, you can focus on what really matters, building your business. Visit congenius.com to learn more. Congenius, build like no one else.
1: A lot of times we let the client drive some of these brand determinations where they tell us what they want done. We respond to that and say, yes, we can do that, even if it's not something we want to do. I'll give give an example, I, I have another uh, connection where he has so many skills in so many different areas where every time he gets a phone call and somebody says, hey, can you repair plaster in my house? Yes. Can you put new windows in? Yes. Can you build a house? Yes. And his service offering is so broad that people don't know who he is and what, he's, what he can do because it's, um, it's not believable. What is uh, great at? What right. Is he great at? But if he picked one thing, if he was the window installer and he just did an amazing job with that, his margins would go up because he could improve his processes there. His team yeah. would be better educated because he can hire specific to something, have a training program. So I think some of that comes down to what the goal is. What are you trying to build as a, as a business? Yeah. Are you trying to scale something and grow it? Or are you comfortable with just saying the status quo is okay? I'm comfortable here. I don't want to really push anything. And that's fine too, right? I mean, you can be in that position of of wanting to do a slow growth um, or no growth type of scenario. But the bottom line is, if you want to grow, people need to know about you. They need to know clearly what you do. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to really marketing towards that, um, the ideal project. Make sure you're putting that out to people. right? Um, So back to the whole branding question, right? (laughs) But it's it's
0: not complicated to get a Facebook page set up for your business, do some before and after pictures of the jobs you're proud of, Mm -hmm. right? The ones that I'd like to do more of this. yeah, Um, Because that's what people are going to come and see. The person who doesn't know you, who didn't find you from word of mouth um so finding you know finding that you know the networking groups I think you mentioned that like going out and meeting people like and you're gonna you want to meet meet the right type
1: of people yeah um to get your name out there and then and a word of caution and something i've learned from is not to oversell myself in this whole process as well because yeah. i am who i am today and i'd love to be who i could be a year from now i can't right. sell a future version of myself right today my quality level's here today my team is here and it might be huge need for improvement, which it has been in many times where my processes were weak. Yeah. My team is not well trained. Uh, My brand is not all that well defined. And so to say, this is where I'm at today and make sure you're selling the right expectation to clients where you're not selling a future version of yourself. And it's easy to do in this Mm -hmm. whole branding conversation is saying we could be this in three years. Well, we're not that today. Yeah. Yeah. So let's sell appropriately. Yeah. You know, having the wrong expectation is a killer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's, you know, other
0: practical things too. Like even just getting a, you know, business listing on Google, like that's free. I mean, some of those things, like if you just, if you dropped yourself in. Lincoln, Nebraska,
2: you know, (laughs) or like
0: where you know, nobody and had to start, like there's some things out there you could do, you know, and I think you talk about networking, uh, start generating word of mouth off your first job, you know, getting a business listing, standing up a website, standing up Facebook, some before and after pictures, all of those things take some effort, but they're not those.
1: thousands of people may see that one thing that you did and it'll help you kind of get your name out there and start getting some business coming in the door key to this whole thing is making sure that the expectation of a full pipeline is is clear because it's very easy to get two or three connections and say success Mm -hmm. great our pipeline's taken care of off to doing other things it's like no job's not done yet yeah those two or three people they might not pan out they're still in in the early stages of the pipeline so let's not it's not relax yet until yeah. we really have these processes really well defined and be able to say yes, yeah. we're getting the results we need. Because I've had situations where five six leads, I'm like, well, if those jobs turn into if, winners, yep. we're set. Let's not make any assumptions yeah. until we actually have yeah. closes. It'd probably be wise for someone to have even a block of time on their calendar every week that's focused
0: straight well, like to that. lead generation. Yeah, I like, like hey Tuesdays from three to five, I shut everything else off. Yep. And I spend time on lead generation, whether that's, you know, uh, marketing, Facebook, you know, whatever that, that looks like a networking group, yep. um, you know, going and actually knocking on the doors of a job that I've done yep. in the neighborhood, especially if it's a high end neighborhood where, you know, you know, you could re- repeat that process locally for people. So, yeah, no, I like and that. you have a built in referral, you yep. know, um, you know, a guy I looked at to do some of my house, I literally went to my neighbor's house after remodel. And I was like, holy smokes, who did this? You know, uh-huh. um, that, you know. Neighbors talk. Yeah, it's yeah. helpful. So all right, so we talked about, you know, some some methods and practical ways to get your pipeline moving to get people in the front door. Let's talk about how to qualify your leads. We talked about this last, last episode, but making sure it's the work that you want to be doing that's qualifying. Are they, you know, is this what you want? And you know, if you got if you do this early on, you, saw, you save yourself a world of headache later. I think we talked about that last episode. Well, let's get into some of the practical things of how do you actually qualify your leads. What are you looking at when someone says, Hey, I want to do business with you? Um, what are some things you do to make sure that early on, you know, if this is someone that's good for you or
1: not? Yeah. And from my experience, and there might be other qualifiers depending on your business context, what you do, how you do it, et cetera. But the three key qualifiers in my business were the budget, the scope of work and the location of the project. And I know there's many other ways of breaking those down and looking at it. But those are three really common, really uh, important aspects of qualifying a, a client. And there's things like the customer how they inter- how you interact with them. I mean, you don't want to be working with somebody that you just can't work with. Yeah. So there's some personality things that could come out where somebody's just a really difficult person to work with. Right. That's probably a disqualifier. Yeah. You, you know, you don't need to have a headache. Yep. Somebody's just I, this is <laughs> practically you're, how do you get out of that second, second
0: phone call? You're like, man, this person just seems like a lot like mm-hmm. their personalities. A little wild. they're difficult to communicate with. You can just tell, yeah, not the type of person I want to be
1: doing work with what do you what do you practically say to them? don't second guess yourself right i mean yeah. once you once you start getting a negative feeling about something like that don't second guess it yeah well ah, it's probably me give him a second chance whatever just you don't need that yeah you, you really just say probably just not a good fit and as far as getting out of is concerned uh, i think it's it'd be really straightforward is, Sometimes with people is difficult for us because we don't like disappoint. I don't like disappointing people. Some mm-hmm. people find it easier to say no than others. And I've had to go through that whole journey of being able to learn how to say no. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody comes to you we want to be able to want to be able to look out for them, we want to be able to serve them, and just identifying I'm not the guy for everyone. Yeah. Just can't be. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Sometimes I'm not worthy of them or vice versa. Yeah. You know, it's just. Uh, Uh, it's one of those things that's just difficult to learn to do for some people. All right. So I'm that customer. I'm my maintenance. You're like, and I'm calling
0: you saying like, Hey, are you going to get me on the schedule or not? And you got to tell me, no, tell me no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks old buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, give example of this where somebody said, this is, you know, I want this, I want this uh, remodel done and they had all of their expectations and it came down to a price point. It was just, it was, she was a difficult, to, uh, you knew there were going to be difficulties meeting the expectations she would have. Mm -hmm. And it just came down to me saying, I'm probably not the best fit for you right here. There's a lot of other work for me to take on. And so uh, I wish I could give you another recommendation to somebody else, but this is just not a good fit for our team. Yeah. And so... To be vague about it, but just say it's just not a good fit right. without getting, you know, running yeah. There's no reason to burn <laughs> bridges and run somebody down you know, yeah. because you're, you know what? You <laughs> seem high maintenance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So to be polite about it, be polite. Keep but brief. be specific, be specific. Yeah. and also not get lured into the trap of keeping it open-ended. You had an objective, you stick with it. You said, yeah. this is a no, it's a hard no. Yeah. Be prepared to be saying no under any circumstances because I've had a few people weasel yeah Yeah. you know what about if you know it could yeah. this be the problem or what if we changed the scope or what if you know i became a nicer person <laughs> yeah it's kind of like how i got dumped in 10th grade you know <laughs> <laughs> it's not you it's me yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah be clear and specific this road's over yeah. okay um cool all right uh yeah that let's makes sense put, oh, yeah. yeah let's just put this on ice for now yeah yeah
1: yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. we'll revisit it later no, no we won't
1: yeah no, we won't no. yeah right
0: you want to see other people <laughs> chelsea just kidding. <laughs> That wound's healed, I promise. All right. Um, Okay, so how to qualify your leads? So telling them no. um, You you mentioned location as something. Yeah. What? Dial that in specifically.
1: How do you set a location qualifier? Yeah. And again, this is something really unique to your business. You really have to say, if if you're the guy in the boondocks, you're in, in a location where there's not a lot of, there's not enough volume of work around you, you might have to set the parameters a little bit wider, but that was the joy of living where you are, right? Yeah. I mean, you're in a spot where nobody is. Yes. <laughs> so yes. you like that? Yes. Great. But you might have to travel a little bit. You might have to go to them. So having a nice saying, okay, well, this is the volume of work. This is how I want to expand my business. This needs to be a one hour radius. Yeah. You're right in the middle of town. There's tons of customers all around you. It could be 10 minutes. Yeah. In my case, we were that. We were right in the middle of Springfield. Yep. We, there's plenty of work around us. Somebody call in and say, hey, I'm an hour and a half away. It was a hard no. Yeah. I'm not going there. Um, and that come, comes down to practically, again,
0: time tra- travel, getting there, the yep. amount of extra time it's going to take you to get it done.
1: Yeah. And, it, and there's another aspect of that, too, where in my business, being small enough, a team of 14 people where you're only able to service their needs to a certain quality level when my time to actually get there and manage the project is limited. Yeah. Can't be there all the time for them. So I think there's something to point to there as well of just saying the quality, quality of work just can't be the same when it can't be managed well. Right. You know, I have a project manager and now, I have to go all over the place and I've got a team that's got to go between jobs. And it's mm-hmm. so it's, it's not a good deal for them either. Right. So um, that's something that's helped me in saying no as well as painted in a positive for the, the client. Yeah. What you need, somebody local, somebody can service you better as opposed to me. And maybe there's other people that can travel and do it well, but we're just not able to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. 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 And then when you go to the budget, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, on the budget side, uh, we ended up creating. In my business, we were doing remodeling and uh, a lot of whole home remodels, additions, and that was a specialty. Just bathrooms, kitchens, additions, complete home restoration, renovation. Did a couple of new builds, but that wasn't our specialty. So stick in our stick in our lane. Stay with what people know we can do and do it well. Um, and when it came down to budget, we started coming up with some certain baselines where the goal in the early conversation was actually to set the negative expectation. This is going to cost a lot of money. You mm-hmm. get rid of the tire kickers, the people that are just looking for a steal by really setting some clear. They, they, this is a range. So I developed a spreadsheet, some certain cost per square foot, cost per certain bathroom type of thing. Um, and that's going to be different for every type of business. Um, I've got a another contractor I know. He goes into kitchen remodels with seventy five to one hundred fifty k or more for a kitchen. That's going to scare a lot of people off. Yeah, it scared me just now. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at what he's able to deliver for that seventy five to one hundred fifty k, it's yeah. a realistic expectation because that is what you will pay. Right. So you get rid of the person that says one hundred and fifty thousand for a kitchen. My house is worth seventy five. Yes. yes. <laughs> but, yeah. What? That's not the right fit right yeah. out of the gate. So. It's probably a good thing to qualify people on.
0: Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the old uh, champagne taste on a beer budget thing, you know? Like right. it's what what is their budget? What can you do? And I mean, up front. Yeah.
1: Right. You know, because again the temptation is to fill your pipeline with people who are unqualified. It can go the other way as well. Yeah. You can say we can do a bathroom for fifteen thousand and somebody's thinking, Well, I think fifty thousand is cheap. Yeah. They have a beautiful house and they're saying, no, you're not my guy because you're too cheap. I've been that guy too. Yeah, uh, I remember early on I lost a job. It was a half a million dollar remodel and I thought half a million dollars. Wow. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It was about uh, 15 years ago. I remember bidding this job out and somebody came back and said, well, we chose somebody else because you guys were just a little too economical. You know, you might've missed something. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's interesting. That is interesting. You know, yeah. To make sure that the price point's set appropriately to what the expectation is the other direction. Yeah. They were a Macy's shopper and we look like Walmart.
0: Say goodbye to the hassle of estimating for your construction projects with Congenius. Our intuitive platform makes creating highly accurate and detailed estimates a breeze. And with cloud-based access and automatic calculations, you can focus on what really matters. Building your business. Visit congenius.com to learn more. Congenius, build like no one else. Yeah. All right. So we've got people in the pipeline now. We did the stuff up front to get referrals and business and people coming in. We're asking them clear questions up front as soon as possible in this phone call, email, whatever it is, on um, ruling out like, are they in my location range? So are they outside of my range location? uh scope of work, are they, you know, are they asking me to do something that I'm not gonna do a great job at or that I don't want to be doing? Mm. Um, and then are they within budget? Like am I within their budget or not? Yep. Um and you know, if and if you get red flags on any of those yep. back out. Right. Or don't don't move them further. Yep. Right. Be as clear as possible. And I think money's probably the one that is, you know, where you're probably get the most, you know, the most yellow red flags on is you know is it within budget or not
1: it's interesting drew i mean we were talking about this before the show but just how sometimes the money actually leads into some of the other personality expectations Mm -hmm. where somebody's looking for something for a deal sometimes that kind of reflects on who they are as a person as well yeah not necessarily in a bad way but that's their expectation if they're trying to find it they're trying to get a good deal on everything yeah they're the person saying hey you give them a price for twelve, they say, Can you do it for ten? Right. And if that's not something you want to do, you don't want to negotiate twelve thousand, uh just because yeah. you asked now it's twelve five. I mean, because i had to spend much extra time with you. Yeah. Right. Let's be real. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, getting the expectation. So that's kinda of ties in with the others, doesn't it? I mean it you is. get a you get yeah. a keen insight into how somebody thinks and how they set expectations right. based on that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the scope of work too is really you need to know what you do. Yeah. And it's yep. tempting to just be all things to all people. And you can't be that. Know, yep. your, know your lane, stick within that. Yeah. All right. People are coming to the pipeline.
0: We've qualified and we know now this is somebody we want to work with. Um, so how do we you know, go into the third thing, which is how do you build a manageable pipeline? So how do you actually set it up um, so that you can uh, build it in a manageable way so it doesn't become overwhelming? Because you might be doing a great job, might be qualifying a lot of people. You can get too much. Um, what are ways that you do uh, to keep it manageable? Whether that's you know, what, what processes or systems you put in place to make sure that I've, I'm keeping
1: tabs and all these people along the way? Having a clear setup for what the pipeline looks like. So you have some insight into the pipeline is probably number one here of just knowing, okay, these are my stages of qualify. You know, this is the stage of the, of this deal yeah, or lead or whatever. This particular project is at this point. Um, starting off with, this whole intake thing. Okay. Yeah. Let's get the right information. I have a clear understanding of this. Mm-hmm. And that could be somebody on your team that doesn't have necessarily a lot of experience that you have as the person doing the estimating or selling that just says, here's the, here's the questions. This could be even a web form, right? right? I mean, just saying, Here, let's set up the parameters of the project. This is yeah. what's going on. This is what we want. And really asking specific, clear questions right from the beginning, yeah. as opposed to being like, and a lot of times people are hesitant to answer those questions. Um, like, what's your budget? You know, Drew, you call me, say, "Hey, want my kitchen done?" I say, "Hey, what's your budget?" I don't know. "Uh, know. Yeah, I mean, what should it cost, right? So you you'll get those responses, and that's when you give them. You educate them as well in that process. Yeah, where you're saying, well, depending on what finishes you select, what things, this is kind Mm -hmm. of a range, seventy-five to one hundred fifty thousand. Right off of there, you're scaring somebody off. Or if you're the twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars kitchen guy, that's your range. So. To have that really nice clear intake mm-hmm. process, then yep. we go over to qualifying, make sure, and that's and it. Kind of ties right in with that, right? Yep. You get the intake so you can qualify. Yep. We qualify the lead. Next step is really saying, okay, let's make sure we understand the scope very clearly defined. After this is a qualified person, we want to work with them. They have the budget. They have, they want, yeah, the job. This is the job we want to do. Yeah, in a higher. Overview sense. right? But now let's get specific details. Yeah, what, what about, about the, the kitchen? kitchen? Are we remodeling? Are we cutting the to, whole thing to the studs and right. starting over? Or are we, you right. know, like, yeah. So we're determining right. scope at that point. So mm-hmm. we're scoping the job. And then from there, we're estimating the job, doing our takeoffs, determining costs, and then we're ready to package this all into this proposal and present it to them. So yeah. we have these phases of, of the job. And that might look different depending on your context. I could think of a plumber yeah. where maybe that is a very truncated process where it's a phone call saying, hey, I, if you're doing service, it's just a matter of saying, well, you're setting the expectation, right? I mean, you're not really needing to get a lot from them saying, well, service call is $150 for us to get there. It's $85 an hour uh, turnaround times, usually a day. So depending on the context, this is going to look slightly differently. Yeah. If you're building a new home, this is what our process looks like. Yeah. I know, you know, you need to start off with plans. Do you have an architect? So you can kind of really gauge. Yeah. Uh, where somebody's at in their whole side of things as well, because yeah. sometimes it's a long sell, sometimes it's short. So yeah. really knowing what your process looks like, what you want it to look like and educating the consumer yeah. along the way. I think too, like just having that
0: clean structure, because if if you're, some people are just not structured in the way they think naturally. And so you have to build a structure to live in for those phases, right? Because otherwise it's like, I'm in the middle of working on a job, you know, Ben calls me prospective customer. And I'm like, okay, what did we do with him? Where is he at again, right? like. Did we get, you know, have we done this part yet? But actually, like saying, even telling that customer, here's our structure, there's five fade things we're going to do before we get there. I'm on step two, which is, you know, defining the scope. And then we're going to move, then we and I, customer, move to step three, which is I'm going to do takeoffs and measurements. I'm, gonna be at, you know, then step four is, you know, that I'm putting together an estimate. Step five is a proposal that's going to come to you, right? To where, you know, and so if they know that process and whether you've got, You know, um, what we find a lot of times is guys either don't have that structure or they do, but it only lives in their head, which is a limiter for them ever growing. They can never hire that salesperson because that salesperson doesn't live in their brain. You know, so whether it's a stack of post-it notes that you're moving across the board or whatever the thing is, you got to have a way... To visually, mentally be moving people through this pipeline into closed deals that now I'm going to go work on and generate revenue for me. Um, this is going to be a shameless plug, uh, but we're congenius. <laughs> so, uh, give us it real quick. Like, you know, how does congenius that pre 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 construction process? Um, that's that's one of the things we do and we do really well. Um, talking about what that looks like in congenius
1: It started off with me looking for tools to help organize the sales process and really really truncate the sales process was, wasn't so laborious, uh, uh, you know, in our context, doing the type of work we're doing as remodels and building it, there's a lot of pre-work involved with that and a lot of similar, but different mm-hmm. aspects of that, depending on the project, there was enough similarities where I felt as though we could build a lot of standards, a lot of the same process and templates, et cetera, enough differences where you couldn't just take that template and just run with it. You'd have to really make yeah. it specific to that project. The congenious, we're, we're really a company that takes software as a workflow as opposed to saying, here's just a way of intaking a bunch of information and then you need to work that however you need to. And that's kind of the, the typical approach to software is saying, we are a place for you to store your data, yeah. be able to access it from anywhere, which is a plus, yep. go to the job, take stuff in here, where we're saying, let's establish the process, work within the framework and make you uh, able to, to really move things quickly through that process yeah. with some very high powered genius type of workflows <laughs> so yeah. i mean as opposed to being be a huge. pile of information yeah, so right.
0: softwares is just the pile of information yeah. that's that lives somewhere and, it, and if you're disorganized and you're scattered yeah. your software is not helping anymore because it's just a reflection about disorganized and scattered yeah. your brain is right. and let's be real we're busy yeah you know if someone's running day-to-day working jobs in the construction space you know that's that's 90 of where their effort energy goes and there's only a small remainder that's left to handle this sort of thing you yeah. know and if that's where you're at, software that's not helping you organize it and moving it through a process is gonna be just
1: as useless as your stack of post-it notes. And what's the what's the value proposition when you're selling software? If it's value that you're gonna gain if you've invested three months into it, maybe. Yeah. Congenius, day one, let's create value. Let's create a better process for you without this four month setup process. Right.
0: Yeah. At a glance I can see everyone that's in my pipeline.
1: Yep. You know, I can see exactly what phase they're in. And what are my to-dos that I got to do to move them through? With digital tools that help you get that done very quickly, like takeoffs. Import the plans or without plans, being able to go ahead and specify the different tasks that need to be done for the project, quickly set the quantities and build something in minutes as opposed to hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, there's our shameless plug. Congenius.com <laughs> today's sponsor. <laughs>
0: yeah, I love it. All right, so the outcome of this is is you're closing the right jobs, right? And we kind of had this step four, but really it's more of an outcome, right? So we do those three things up front. One, you're you know you're maintaining a steady pipeline. You're, you're doing the, the work of getting people coming in that pipeline. They are interested in your business. They know who you are. They know what kind of work you do. That first conversation points. You're qualifying them. You're making sure that they're in the right location. That they're on budget. The type of work that you want to be doing. So you're quickly filtering out people who don't and it's like you don't get further you don't get any more of my time uh, if you're not qualified, you have know, that hard conversation yeah. up front and like most hard conversations, the more you do it, the less hard it becomes. Like it's easy to, you know, it's easy. It becomes an easy conversation to disqualify somebody up front. You know, then you've got people flowing through that pipeline that are work that you want to do places. You want to do it. They know how much you charge and they're on board with your cost structure. Then it's a matter of closing the right jobs and getting those ones over the finish line. Uh, any, anything, uh, you want to add on to that
1: result of, you know, closing, closing the job, the customer experience. The communication is timely. Mm -hmm. The customer feels valued during the process, and when you have the bandwidth to to take care of the customers that you want to service, suddenly Mm -hmm. you have the ability to create this customer experience that's exceptional. Yeah. And if you're trying to be everything to everybody, you'll be nothing to nobody. I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) essentially, you end up putting so much effort into taking care of the wrong clients that you dilute the experience you have for the people you really want to take care of. So getting to a hard no quickly, a no is a great answer. And you got to be prepared for it. So I think the mentality we need to have, it's, you know, people that are great salespeople need to be prepared to to get the no and to be able to say no. Yes. So there's two aspects of that. The customer can be saying, nah, or we need to be able to prepare to say it. So receive and give no's is is a key aspect of that. Yeah. Um, and I think then setting goals around what's a close rate when you give people
0: to that line, you know, because then you're saying how many, what percentage of these am I closing that you want? Yeah, right. Because then it's, then you can address like, what are the reasons I lost that job? Yeah, you know, was it price? Was it you know? Um, that gives you kind of some data points to look at and say how do I improve, improve my my close rate to make sure that all this time I spent this first along the way doesn't become wasted time because I did all the work, got them a proposal. That it means I went and I measured it to take off that whole thing, and they never actually
1: closed it. One of the things that we get tempted into thinking is a positive metric is a high close rate. Yeah, nine out of ten jobs we, uh, you know, people come to us, we close. And that might not be a great thing. Yeah, because where we actually choosing enough to really win the jobs we want, and was there enough volume in our pipeline so we had jobs to choose from? Right. I've been the guy where five out of, you know, five jobs we were quitting (laughs) early on. You're like, ah, somebody called. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're
0: fishing the wrong ponds.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Whatever you want done, we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But going to the whole result of this whole thing, when the projects that you have won are profitable, the customer experience was excellent. The team was happy. Uh, you got referrals from that job. Yep. These are all indicators of the successful, yep. well-managed sales pipeline. Yep. And you're yeah getting the business you want, which yep. is the good stuff. So. And then that all ties back into the bottom line. Yep. Suddenly it's like the rep, the numbers look great because you have this, you had the, the budget numbers defined. It all ties into it, into the really the bottom line. Right. A healthy business. Yep. And building some structure. Yep. What is your pipeline? Managing it well. Identifying, Identifying when it's not healthy,
0: making it healthy. Um, so I think we, uh, it a lot of a lot of great stuff. There a lot of practical tips
1: and advice too on how to achieve a healthy sales pipeline. And there's probably a lot we missed. I mean, oh, <laughs> because, yeah. looking forward to getting feedback on this from from people yeah. too. Is, yeah. uh, as as we as we work to to understand these things, there's a lot of complexity. Yeah. More as you brought up earlier, it. it's easier said than done. A lot of times, yeah, you can know exactly absolutely. how it needs to be done. And a word of encouragement would be: start where you are today, make modest improvement. Don't just try to be something. Radical transformation does not happen overnight. No. So starting off with identifying, yeah, this is weak, here's how we can do better and making this sort of an iterative towards really a great process. Yeah. And that's where we start. Yeah, absolutely. Personally and professionally. Yeah. You know, being better as an individual doesn't start off with, I wake up at seven now, so I'm going to wake up at 4.30. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, let's start with 6.30. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this contractor
0: commute, Ben. Thank you for your time. Again, uh, all learning on getting that sales pipeline in order. Uh, Appreciate you listening. We'll see you next time on the contractor commute. It's been fun, Drew.